0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry
1: Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back. And I will say the winner of the uh, trivia was Joel Fry. He knew that Charlie Myers had hosted the show prior to me. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us, as he does every week at this time, is Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate.
2: Good morning, Terry. How are
1: you? You know, I'm doing well. Um, I'm glad you were waiting on the line, because when I start talking about Charlie Myers, I do get a little choked up. What a great man, and the way he contributed to the outdoors in Colorado, and what a mentor. Um, Was a terrible loss. that He died too early in his life, but he was just a tremendous talent.
0: You know, Terry, I I just – I think about all the different stories that we did and just the things that we did, and honestly – uh, so much of that, Terry, was before a lot of this internet kind of took off. And you know, just thinking of some of these stories that we did, I, I remember we did uh, a story on ice fishing for bass, and at the time in Colorado, it wasn't a thing. Um, and just really, he was the the way to contribute so much of the stuff to the passion of his writing. Um, you know, it was radio or writing. We just didn't have uh, as much of like the internet, and the Facebook, and this and that. It was it was all contributed to the to the older methods of of, of distributing that information. And uh, no, absolutely, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've shared some unbelievable adventures with him uh, on ice and open water, and yeah, truly miss him very much. So,
1: well, and I followed you know in, in his shoes and hosted this radio show now for the I'm in my 24th year, and actually wrote the column for the Denver Post for several years afterwards for him, you know, where he had written. So, yep. you know, it always near and dear and a mentor. We got a lot of weather changes here i want to get let's get to the fishing we had last week we had 80 degree weather i was in a light shirt having dinner on my patio the water was the water on the front range was hitting 50 then it got cold and now we got a warm day today but it's going to get cold again you know we think we know where the fishing is headed in the spring but nature always throws a curveball at us how much are these weather changes affecting the fishing
0: You know, Terry, it's quite a bit, and honestly, it's everything. Um, I actually just did a 100-mile-an-hour dash in a NASCAR race uh, to get service today. I was out enjoying the opening morning of turkey hunting here in Colorado uh, and actually had a, a fantastic morning. I'm hunting with my uncle, who is a very first-time hunter, literally passed his hunter safety uh, a couple of days ago. It's his first hunt. Uh, we had six gobblers come in. It, it, it was a great morning. Um, so it's awesome to have a sunny day today. I just wanted to start with that because I can't remember the last turkey opener where we had a nice sunny day for the start. Normally, the snow that's coming this week, hits today. It's almost very, almost guaranteed to have snow on opening day at Turkey. So excited that we did get one day out of, or two days, you know, tomorrow out of the season uh, before we get that weather. But the weather is going to impact things. You really have to look at the species that you're targeting. So that's what we're going to kind of talk about uh, to start. Um, you know, we'll, we'll cover actually a little bit of ice fishing here in a little bit, but really talking about open water. That's what everybody's excited about. That's what everybody's doing. Um, you know, the, the big front range species, you have all your bass, you have your walleye, you have trout, and you do have a handful of other species, but we're going to really pick apart those three um, to kind of talk about that. And in reality right now, we're getting enough walleye into post-spawn where this big storm front coming is not going to hurt us as bad. Um, A pre-spawn walleye, so a walleye that is feeding before it goes into spawn, these storm fronts absolutely shut them down. Uh, Your fish that are actively spawning, uh, it is going to slow them down. You're going to get a drastic water temperature change in that real shallow water. Uh, The barometric pressure is going to be all over the place. Uh, Spawning Fish will be a little different, but the post spawn fish uh, are starting to get into somewhat normal patterns. They're they're feeding, um, and really once you get through that first week or so of post spawn, they have enough energy now uh, to well, we're not going to see a huge effect. Um, with that, we're going to break that down just real quick. So in the post-spawn stage of a walleye, right now a good portion of our fish are feeding in deep water. They're looking for the easiest meal possible. So down at Pueblo, you see these fish hanging around oak brush and trees, and they're feeding on you know small minnows. They're feeding on baby shad, uh, and most of all they're feeding on bug larvae. It, it's crazy, and honestly, Terry, I talk about this a lot because I missed it for the first 15 years of my career as a guide. I never picked up on, on how much these walleyes are feeding on small bloodworms and midges and, and bug life as a high-protein food source for the first couple, you know, at least week or so, if not two weeks, of, of post spawn, because it's an easy meal. So down at Pueblo, these walleyes are around those trees in that deeper water, 18, 20-foot, feeding on bugs. Chatfield, Trade Creek, we have a ton of walleyes sitting on mud flat, um feeding on all these bugs. So there's a lot of stuff happening in kind of that bug life window. Um, and these walleyes are, are pounding it. So that's one option. In that deeper water, those fish aren't going to get affected as much. Now, I wouldn't say it's just going to be comfortable being on your boat this week out there uh, with snow and wind. But regardless, I do think you're going to still be able to catch fish. I, I don't anticipate a huge change on the post bond front. Um, now, in low light periods, we're seeing a lot of these walleyes coming up in shallow water, uh, and those are the ones that are feeding on a little bit larger shad base. So almost every night, we're seeing in low light, you know, starting at 530, 6 o'clock at night, we're seeing a, a shallow water bite, and you can troll cranks for these fish. You can throw jerk baits for these fish. I know Dustin Sigler was out the other night throwing uh, blade baits. It was still very much light, um, and he had like a twenty five. 30 fish day uh, throwing blade baits in shallow water. I do think those shallow water fish will retract. So I, I do think the shallow water post-spawn walleyes uh, will slow down. So in the walleye world, as far as today, tomorrow, and throughout the course of the week as this weather comes, um, if you learn to put your focus on the deeper water post-spawn fish, your bite is going to be amazing. Um, if, if you're really focused on those shallow water fish, I think you're going to have a kind of a rough goal for about the next 10 days, uh, just due to all the fronts coming through. I mean, if you look at the weather, um, not necessarily just saying snow or rain, but we definitely have weather creating a barometric pressure effect uh for it you know really tuesday to tuesday so we almost have seven days uh, of some sort of weather in there so as a walleye angler focus on the deep water it's going to be good i was at cherry creek yesterday um, and we had a great bite so yesterday i think we landed 22 fish in the morning um and lost probably 10 to 15 uh just had, had to learn how to use lead core line and you know learn how to, to deal with the no stretch we still landed 22 lots of great fish lots of keepers um and the afternoon was about the same so great bite
1: there for that um as we kind of move I, forth on that before we move on from that you're using the excuse me the lead core now anglers you're trolling i, I assume you're trolling stick baits or crank baits deep are the walleye spread out Do you have to cover a lot of water and if you don't have lead core is there another technique you might target them with you definitely have to cover a lead cover a lot
0: of water unfortunately even on the graph when you think they appear tight uh, when we're trolling for them, you slow down, and they are definitely spread out. So covering water is the name of the game. Small baits, you know, inches off bottom is the key. If you didn't have web core line, your next best option would be running three-ways. Um, and you can do that on any rod. So you're going to run a, a line down to a three-way swivel. Uh, I would do probably a Foot inch or a foot to maybe fifteen inch dropper off that to to maybe a one and a half to two ounce weight. Uh, you can even do four ounces if you want, but but anywhere from heavy one ounce being very small, but particularly two ounces to four ounces of weight. And then I'd run like a three to four foot leader uh, to a small crankbait and you're going to literally drag that just on bottom, if not maybe an inch up, if you don't want to kick up dust. Um, and that's going to be your second technique of how to catch those fish. But uh, unfortunately, in those basins that. Chatfield, so Chatfield, you're looking basically the whole west shoreline from, like, the Swim Beach to Massey Draw. That's a mudflat that's holding fish. Um, out in front of Plum Creek or Roxborough, COVID Chatfield – is a mud flat that's holding fish. And then Cherry Creek, it it really is almost the entire basin is holding fish right now. Um, But covering ground definitely is the way to to catch those fish. And we'll be out there again tomorrow. Um, And I will say on the radio, we we rarely do this, but we actually just had a cancellation uh, about an hour ago for a Monday trip. It's actually with me as a guide. So if anybody wants to go on a guided trip and and see one of these, uh, we do have one opening uh, on Monday. So if anybody wants to give us a call, they can definitely do that. You can just email tightlineoutdoors at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, throw that out there. Uh, but trolling and covering water is definitely the way to catch
1: those deep water post-spawn fish. All right. Now you said you wanted to talk trout and bass also?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, just talking about opportunity, um, the bass is probably going to be the toughest. We're just now seeing the largemouth and the smallmouth come out of the deep water and start coming up shallow. They're in kind of a, an early pre-stage or pre-spawn stage, and you know, we don't see the smallmouth going in until later April, you know, mid to later April, and really it's May when all of that kicks off. But we're just seeing these as you know, our water temperatures are in the low 50s. Uh, we're just seeing the bass transition into that shallow water, uh, seeing some good bass seeing some good action on the bass uh i would say everything is shaping up good however that that storm front when those fish just barely start coming in uh it's these type storm fronts that will affect that bite i'm not going to say they're not going to be catchable but i do think those fish are going to retract to a little bit deeper water it's going to make them a little uncomfortable um, so so the bass fishing today tomorrow definitely worth doing. Once we start getting these storms coming in this week, um, I definitely think we'll see that kind of hinder the bass bite um, on these front range waters. So it's just something to keep in mind. Not necessarily saying don't go, um, but if you're a multi-species person, I I would try to pick the species that's going the best. Um, that's kind of why we talk about that. So walleyes, great. Just have to focus on the deep water post-spawn. The bass are going strong right now, uh, but focus on them right now before the storm hits. And then kind of the fish that gets affected absolutely the least uh, are the rainbows. Not to say that the pressure doesn't affect these fish and, you know, can turn them on or off. Um, but these rainbows are, are out of spawn now, so they're, they're post-spawn in most situations. Um, and, and they are aggressive. They're feeding. They're, they're not as affected by the storm. They thrive in the cold water water um so the trout bite on the front range is fantastic and you have a variety of ways to to catch them and to find them um all your inlets into all these reservoirs are going to hold trout so you know any inlet cherry creek any of your inlets there chatfield plum creek deer creek and most importantly the south platte um i mean even your horse Carters, Pueblo, any inlets on these reservoirs are going to hold trout right now so that's a primary focus point to look for them there um Secondly, they're looking for shad uh, and food sources as much as anything else. So, anywhere where you can find uh, a heavy food source, whether it's a nice, hot, sunny day and you start to get a hatch, um, Cherry Creek and Chatfield both had a hatch last Friday. It was a very strong, small midge hatch. Um, so, on a nice, sunny day, you get near those mud flats where your bugs are hatching, that's a great source. Uh, or maybe even it's uh, a shallow bay that holds some warmer water where you're going to get young shad uh, or even fathead minnows coming in, uh, would be a strong source where those trout are going to be. Even some sucker minnows might be a strong suit. So find the food. You're going to find those big rainbows. And again, they're very, very little affected by the storm. So it's a great time, especially through the week, if you want to get out fishing the those big trout.
1: Yeah, I think the trout, like I agree with you 100%. Excuse me. The trout are going to be the most consistent bite right now, and both for recently stocked and for larger holdover fish, With all which all these front-range lakes have an abundance of. People don't understand. They can get some very big trout on the front-range lakes, and I think uh, you could get them both from a boat or from shore, Nate. This, they're probably going to be the best shore opportunity on the front range. Absolutely, 100%. Yep, and so you got any events coming up, Nate?
0: absolutely Terry we got a ton of stuff coming up so we're excited about that we're launching our catch rate event uh so we're excited about that so our first catch rate event is at Chatfield uh on April 16th so this is coming up uh that's a Friday night event so that event is going to run from 5 p.m to 11 p.m it's $20 per species per angler so you can fish walleye trout bass, carp, uh, or you can enter all of them. It's going to be a video contest, so basically you're going to show up at the lake, we give you a measure board, you're going to catch your fish, you video yourself measuring it, you text it in, uh, we have a great award ceremony set up, there's a lot of bonus money in it, so we pay out to basically like the top five per species, as long as there's enough participating anglers, um, so you get a cash prize for first place, there's $100 to Bass Pro per species, uh, we got a great $50 prize pack from Eagle Claw and Trocart. To the first place winner. Uh, we got a clam net to the first place winner um, and, and just a lot of other stuff taking place. So a lot of great prizes here at Catch Rate. All that information is available on our Facebook page as well as on our website. Uh, but we have Catch Rate coming up and then again we have a ton of guide trips. Like I said, we just had a cancellation for Monday if anybody's interested, but a lot of guide trip opportunities. And then right now, uh, we're just now starting to see some really large, kind of kind of the portion of the ice starting to break down in the high country. Uh, I was on Terry y'all on Wednesday and I had 30 inches of ice but we have enough flow coming into where there was literally water flowing on top of the ice from the inlet uh, as well as water flowing under the ice so the second you get that flow, we're going to see that ice deteriorate. Eleven mile. I was in pretty much the middle of the lake, and I was down to about twenty-three inches of ice uh, last week. So we're starting to see the ice deteriorate. Um, there's still a lot of it, uh, but regardless, we're starting to see that ice deterioration. So I, I think that's a good sign for everybody that wants to see the ice leave uh, in hopes of open water. So we're starting to see the effects of that on the on the open water and high, or, me, on the open water conditions in the high country. Um, so the season is close, uh, and we're excited about it.
1: All right, Tightline Outdoors on Facebook, TightlineOutdoors.com, if they want to get a hold of you or know about your events. As always, Nate, great segment. We will talk to you again next week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. All right, Nate Zielinski, always a great resource. We're going to take a time out. and we come back, we're going to be joined by the folks from Jack's Outdoors, and we're going to talk about what's the status of gear, rods and reels. um, Are are the manufacturers keeping up? And maybe for some of your new anglers, maybe a little bit about uh, interaction and etiquette and a lot of things. This, we have so much to cover. Chad LaChance is going to join us later in the hour. We're going to talk about pond fishing for our shore fishing, and we're going to focus just on getting you out there. All that and more coming up on Cherry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Cherry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. They have locations up and down the Front Range, they have all your outdoor needs covered. In fact, let's go to the Jacks Outdoors in Lafayette, where we're joined by Mike Krieger. Good morning, Mike.
3: Hey, good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me back.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, good to have you on again. You and I talked, I think, ice fishing last time you were on. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna eventually get to the products that are out there because last year the industry kind of shut down when COVID hit, and then shipments got tough to get in. And then everybody wanted to be outdoors, and a lot of people took up fishing that hadn't done it for a while or even done it before, and products were hard to come by. I want to talk to you about that, but before we get to that, that same, I don't know if you can say influx to the outdoors, but that same, uh, we're seeing the outdoor participation in Colorado is growing exponentially exponentially. And I'm all about that. We want people out there because I think the outdoor brings an incredible value system. It teaches people. It gives you that commune with the nature. But it also means we have to interact with each other. And there's a lot of people out there that maybe don't kind of understand what the accepted etiquette is or they're not thinking about what they're doing to the environment. And I know you wanted to touch on a few things before we get into the equipment. Why don't you tell us some of the etiquette things that you'd like to share?
3: All righty. Well, since we're in the month of April, um, a, lot of, a lot of anglers, you know, they got their licenses last year, and they were all gung-ho, and it was all new to them, like you were saying. And it was exciting. Uh, we ran out of equipment several times the last summer. We just couldn't keep it in because the supply lines were such a mess. But, uh anyway, uh what they may not have realized is that license they bought last year expired on march thirty first so, if they haven't taken care of their new license, that's super important to just be responsible and make sure you're not fishing with an outdated license.
1: um you know i wanna I wanna add something something to that too. Now, you can buy your license at Jack's. you can buy it online c p w now has an app you can find uh information it was just posted this morning on my Facebook page. Where once you get your license, you can enter it in the app, and you don't have to worry about carrying it with you. You can show it to them on the app.
3: That's awesome. You know, we had a Boulder uh, one of Boulder Parks Rangers said to take a picture of it with your phone, but that's even better. I guess it's the same thing. You have it on your phone because everybody has their phone with them on the water side because they want to get a picture of that big one. You know, <laughs> myself. No, cool yeah, dude. we
1: all do, right? You don't mm-hmm. know how many times I've tried to. I'll, be, I'll sneak out alone and I'll catch a nicer fish. And I'm trying to get a picture of it, a selfie. And I'm terrible at taking selfies, so if, <laughs> I know, if it's somebody just somebody yeah. around, I usually—that's usually when I look around, see if there's somebody I can beg and say, "Can you help me?" <laughs> but yeah, go ahead.
3: It's Nice to have willing, willing folks around you. I think the best pictures I have is when I'm fishing with one of my sons. But uh, like you say, I fish a lot of times by myself, and I—I'll get a picture of the fish in the net, but I don't have that really cool one of me, you know, pulling the fish out of the water. And, yeah, so um, a good way to do that is to just have a net that's a big, you know, jumping ahead to some of the equipment stuff. If you can keep the fish in the water as long as possible, then when you're ready for that shot, then just, you know, in my case, they lift up the net, take the picture, or if you have a friend or a, a new acquaintance with you that's taking the shot, you know, just leave the fish in the water until they're ready for the, for the shutter and then pick it up and let it go and then, you know, either harvest the fish or then turn it loose. Well, yeah, and depending on the water, and we're going
1: to talk a little bit about that, I think, is one of your points. Before you either harvest or take the fish, proper care of it. You know, with the number of people using the resources, we have to make sure what our impact is. And that doesn't just include the fishing, does it? It includes things like your trash and things.
3: Oh, exactly. Let me jump back a second. I was on the Big Thompson last week and just fishing a really great the inlet to Lake Estes, basically. And uh, there was a, a, just a dead fish that had been there a while, and that just kills me. I mean, if you're going to keep a fish, you know, if you're going to get out of the water, you know, take it home with you. Don't leave it on the side of the, of the river. But, uh, yeah, one thing I, I try to do is bring a little plastic grocery bag with me because, I mean, a lot of people just throw them away. I just put them in my – I wear cargo pants typically all the time, so I'll, I'll put a, a grocery bag, you know, wad it all up because they, they wad up pretty small, and I'll just put it in my cargo pocket, and then when I'm uh, streamside – I'll just, you know, there's cigarette butts and stuff that uh, other people have left, and I just I just refuse to let Colorado look like a trash pit. It just makes me crazy. It's just, you know, maybe it's a personal pet peeve. But um,
1: but I think we all want to get outdoors, and if we all, first of all, don't leave stuff, I know there's always going to be some irresponsible people, but I think it's incumbent on uh, outdoor enthusiasts, too, to help mentor those people, but also to take a little time and give back and pick things up, it makes it better for all of us.
3: Absolutely. You know, because I, I, whether I'm hiking a 14er or fishing the fishing the valleys, I just don't want out-of-staters to see that. You know, Colorado, I like to choose choose to think it's a very pristine, perfect place. But, uh, you know, when you see stuff laying around, it's like I just, I just refuse to let the next person see that same thing. You know, one of the things
1: you talked about, too, is helping people. When we talked before, especially kids, this is a great uh-huh. time to help those, help other people, especially kids be successful and also to um, learn the right way to behave and how to respect the outdoors. I know that's huge with you.
3: Right. Big time. We do a in Lafayette and I'm sure some of the other stores as well do a little fishing derby and, you know, with the city and county of you know whichever store they're in but that's one place where we get to teach the kids okay here's how you tie a, a, a clench knot or an improved clench and here's you know here's how you stay plenty of space away from the next person it's so social distancing take it to extreme but you just don't want to get hit by a bobber or worse a you know lead weight to the back of the head but um, but just teaching kids how to do stuff and if you know, if I'm uh, doing lakeside, I don't see kids so much streamside. If I'm on the side of a lake and I see a kid that's just all bird nested up or they're real, it's just a disaster, you know, even though it's it's part of my time away, it's just, you know, my way of giving back. I'll say, hey, you know, I'll offer help. I won't just jump in and take over. Um, but I'll say, hey, do you need some help? And sometimes they'll say, no, I got it, because they I guess they want to stay frustrated. But a lot of times they'll say, yeah, I don't know how to fix this. So since, you know, I've got – you know seven grandkids and (laughs) i know how to fix all kinds of things because i'm a a used up shop teacher a retired that is but uh so i know how to fix things so i can usually get them back on the water and and they usually thank me and usually there's a mom or dad you know clear farther down the lake and they you know come thank me and that kind of stuff but it's just it's just a good feeling to help other people enjoy what i love so much
1: well you know not only kids too if we want to really you know we want everybody's out there to have fun. Nobody has a nefarious agenda. They're not trying to be mean or indifferent. I mean, they're out there to enjoy it. They're excited about it, and sometimes they lose track of what they're doing. But like you, one of the things I've done all throughout my career, well, my career's been dedicated to teaching people to fish and hunt. But when I see people out on the water, if I can walk over and give them a little tip if I'm walking or if I can pull close enough to my boat to ask them how they're doing and maybe give a few bits of advice – if they become successful, they also become more respectful respectful of the resource and they want to preserve it and they start having more fun. So I think it's as outdoorsmen, it's very incumbent on us to share our knowledge both of how to do it and how you should behave when you're doing it. I think those things are very important. Mike, we're gonna we're gonna run out of time here real quick. I know we had some other points, but <laughs> let's skip ahead. Let's skip ahead to the um the the equipment side. How are things at Jack's right now for equipment?
3: Well, I am I was uh, equipping with my cohorts. It's like I think everything we ordered last year that didn't come in came in last week. So we've just been stocking stuff like crazy people, and we have looking for places to put stuff, whereas last year we were looking for ways to make it look like we had more stuff than we did by filling up pegs and stuff. So now we have, We in fact, we have about 20 rods that I get to put out today. I have to find somewhere to put them because we have probably – 50 to 70 rod reel combinations that are ready to go so we're you know we're waiting for people to want to upgrade what they bought last year and you know or fix if they broke their rods last year coming to get some new ones and we are pretty much ready to go and ready to rage as far as pretty much all everything we everything we ran out of last year we have in, in great supply now which is fantastic.
1: If I come into Jackson, I'm a new angler or I have a youth angler. How much do I have to spend to get something that I can reasonably fish with?
3: Well, what I, what I do is typically say, okay, what you know, what would you like to spend? And a lot of times, the you know, they don't know. Like if it's a single mom that didn't grow up around fishing, she might say, well, I'd like to spend about five dollars if I can. And I say, well, I don't know if I can do that, um, but I like the uh, we have. The, what is it? I was just looking to say, the Ugly Stick Combo, which comes with a great rod, and it comes with enough little stuff in a little tackle box. For $30, you can be a Lakeside Catch a Fish, and that's on the low end. That's a really nice rod and an okay reel, and you can go, I mean, we have just tons of rods anywhere from $20 all the way up to well over 100 co- close to 200 So, and those are the ones I consider legacy rods. I have several of those I'm going to hand down to my grandkids, you know, and probably they'll hand down to their kids um, just because it's high quality. Chances are it won't break very easily. But, I mean, anything that gets slammed in a car door is going to break. But um, that stuff just going to last a long time. So I just I we try are really what? how much do we spend.
1: We're really out of time, but are you pretty confident we'll see good supplies through the year or should people buy early?
3: Um, well, I, I would recommend buying early because you don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> you know, tomorrow. But uh, by now, while well, we have everything, we have, you know, if you like that particular castmaster with this certain pattern on it, we have it now, you know, a month from now, once everybody else is out on the lakes and streams, because a lot of the fishermen are saying, oh, it's still too cold outside. I just never quit. I fish through the winter when my fingers are freezing. So now is a good time to get it because we have it. You know, later on, there's no guarantees.
1: All right, Mike, we are out of time, but thank you so much. Of course, Jack's up and down the front range. If people want to visit with you personally, they can find you at the Lafayette store and uh, we'll post this up on social media and kind of go over the points you did. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Fantastic. Thanks again for having me on.
1: You bet. It was great. Thanks. That's Mike Krieger from the Lafayette Jacks. Hey, we're going to take a quick time out. We come back. Chad Lachance is going to join us. And we are going to talk shore fishing opportunities. Chad has done a big deal at this at when we were still doing ISE, which we'll see if that comes back. But a lot of people don't have boats, and right now in the spring are some of the best shore opportunities to get out and really enjoy. All that and more coming up on Terry from Outdoors on one oh four three the fan. You're Terry works from outdoors on one oh four three the fan. Let's go right to the phones. Waiting, I hope, patiently, our regular contributor and one of our original co-hosts and contributors, Chad LaChance from Fishful Thinker. Good morning, Chad.
3: Hey, good morning,
1: Terry. How uh, are you doing? A fine sunny day. We got kind of you know, we got a we had incredibly gorgeous weather, then I got cold, and we got this nice day. It's gonna be fair tomorrow. So today and tomorrow, then we're gonna get into kind of a rainy cold slump. So it's really going to change the fishing as we go. But a lot of times during this time of the year, I don't want to take my boat out. I just want to get out for two, three hours. What kind of opportunities can I find from shore?
2: Well, this is the time of year, Terry, that you have your most opportunities from shore, in my opinion. Um because everything fishes well from the standpoint that there's a lot of fish uh, up along the banks. There's not a lot, of, not as many fish offshore right now as there would be the rest of the year. And that's because some of the spawn seasons are coming around. Walleyes are in shallow thinking spawn or are coming off of their spawn. Uh, bass doing the same thing. Uh, trout have been stocked recently all around the state in, in various uh, reservoirs up and down the front range. And they are still close to the banks and high in the water column as well. So you have the most opportunity right now to fish from the bank, uh, which is a really important thing for pretty much any kind of fishing. Also, uh, the weed growth in the ponds around. I'm a big advocate of pond fishing. Uh, more opportunity up and down the front range again for that, from from the ponds west of Pueblo all the way up here in Fort Collins. There's lots of them uh, all the way up almost to the Wyoming line and all around Denver. All those ponds have a nasty habit of growing Elodie of grass really thick, which is fantastic for the fish but it can be hard for anglers. So right now that grass is up as thick yet. So the casting is a little easier to deal with, uh, as well. So you really have the most opportunity right now. And it really, almost any species in the state is going to be within range of a bank right now. Um, even, even something like a lake trout and the reason being is as the ice comes off the rainbows will be up on the banks there doing their spring spawning ritual even though they don't spawn effectively they don't know that so they try it and the lakers then will come in and eat them of course so even even fish like lake, lake trout they're notoriously difficult to get from the bank uh you know the next month is probably the time to do it as the ice comes off the laker fisheries
1: well my big my i think it's my biggest lake trout in colorado not my biggest ever anywhere but it's one of the biggest that I ever caught came in nine feet of water on Lake Granby in the spring. So yeah, they're going to be shallow.
2: Absolutely. Yep. I had a monster swipe at a bait at Granby, same thing, like five or six feet deep, uh, right up on the bank. And uh, I did not land that fish, uh, Bernie Keefe and myself, both had fish swipe at them in the span of a minute or two apart. And both of them were monsters in shallow water. So it's definitely doable. Um, I will say this real quick, if you're going to, If you're going to catch lakers from the bank, be careful with them around the gravel. They are very uh, fragile fish. They're old fish. So if you're going to catch them from the bank, be very careful, particularly with the large ones around the gravel. But at the other end of the spectrum, you have largemouth bass, and they're pretty much everywhere in the ponds up and down the front range. They're a very durable fish by fish standards. Uh, They're a willing fish this time of year as well. And, again, because of their – propensity to be in any of the ponds, almost everybody has access access to some largemouth bass. So, this time of year, easy peasy for them. There's lots of different ways to catch them, um, but realistically, this is the easiest time of year to fish the ponds around for catching them. And once again, uh, a little little PSA for catch and release. the largemouth bass are stocked in Colorado in pretty solid numbers, actually, more than people realize, but they're not typically stocked in a lot of the small ponds around. So, it's uh, important that these big females that are coming in to spawn and starting to get their act together here the next month to spawn, that those fish go back uh, quickly without 72 selfies in a video.
1: You're absolutely right. You know, and uh, it's a good time to catch some bass, but release them and, and go for something else for table fare and let them get through this spawning period and, you know, in today's world, a picture of that beautiful fish is all you need, and that takes a little, just a little bit of time. How do you approach some of these ponds in general? I know different sizes are going to have different temperatures. They're going to be at different places. Do you, do you pick a pond based on its depth or size, or do you pick it because of history, you know it, and then what type of lures
2: do you approach it with? Well normally for me a pond day is going to be multiple ponds I have a, a habit of pond hopping if i'm gonna uh, if I'm gonna spend time on ponds and the reason is is they don't all fish exactly the same as you're noting uh, some of them warm a little quicker some of them a little less quick depending on the depth or the bottom content things like that but as a general rule, I'm always looking for the greenest grass in the pond so I'm looking for the Emergent vegetation or the submerged vegetation that's in the pond. I'm looking for the brand new green stuff that's just starting to come up. And that stuff's going to be a fish magnet. Fish will gravitate to that right away. Bluegills will be around that as well. And typically that stuff's going to grow on a sandier bottom. You're going to get a little bit of a sand bottom and that'll grow up through there. And that sand bottom is also a good indication of where both bass and bluegills will be in the next month or so while they're headed for their spawn phase, they're going to be looking for those hard bottoms. So one of the first things I'm always going to look at is the sandy areas with the mix of, with, with the mix of green grass, most typical odia grass, uh, which is kind of looks very similar to a coontail or something like that. Um, the other thing I'm going to look for is any sort of rock. So if there's a riprap bank on one of the ponds, something like that, that's going to warm up quickly. Uh, it's going to hold crayfish. That's another good possibility, uh, and I'll always fish those. And then uh, of all the crazy things, swim beach areas and boat ramps, both of those have hard covers on them. Uh, areas where people wade a bunch, or there are a bunch of paddleboards and kayaks get put in the water. The grass gets stomped down, exposes the sand. Uh, that's another good sneaky spot too. So really, when it comes to the ponds, I'm really just going around looking for opportunity. Any piece of hardwood that I can find, uh, flooded vegetation, you know, flooded uh, timber, I should say, that was left in the pond. Some of the ponds in East Fort Collins have timber in them. Uh, those are going to hold bass in the spring of the year for sure. Um, cobble beds, anywhere you see a cobble bed, where like, because a lot of these are old gravel quarries that were, you know, originally river bottom and then gravel quarry, anywhere there's cobblestone beds can be really good as well. Generally, I'm avoiding the black mud. That's what it comes down to. I'm going to avoid the mud bottoms. I'm going to look at the vegetation and hard bottoms if at all possible. Uh, with regards to lures, this time of year, uh, it's really all over the board. If there's enough vegetation or, or a lack of vegetation, I should say, I love fishing a hard or soft jerk bait, maybe a, a gulp jerk shad or a power jerk shad or a hard bait like a, a cutter, shallow cutter, something like that, over the top of the vegetation. I can work it really quickly. I can draw a lot of bites that way. Uh, really good way to go about it. If I locate an area with some fish, I'll generally slow down and I'll put some sort of a jig, that's, uh, depending on the you know the vegetation, some kind of a, a typical skirted jig with a maybe a power chunk on the back of it or a critter hog, something like that, and I'll drag that around as well. That's a fantastic way to get some big fish to bite. And then another one that I really like, especially on these breezy days like we've been having the last you know couple of days and, and here again today up at Horsetooth, uh, is a lipless crankbait, like a Berkeley War Pig, and work that thing really fast. And you might be surprised. Uh, years and years ago, we filmed a TV show down at Pella, and it was high, bright sun, breezy day. Fishing was was very, very difficult, and the only thing we could get bit on was that lipless crankbait fishing as fast as you could fish it. And uh, it'll wear you out, but it's a fun way to get bites, and it will work, ironically, for any species of fish that might be in that pond. So a lot of the ponds around here have the random tiger muskies that were put in them to to thin down the sucker populations. They will happily grab that bait, and I've heard reports of several of, of small yeah, uh, tiger muskies coming out recently. A very the various ponds and lakes around town. But one of those three, either that jerk bait, that lipless crank bait, or dragging a jig of some sort, gets the the heavy lifting for me around here. Uh, if there's going to be targets involved, like the the uh, the hardwood, you know, pole timber stuff like that, I might go to something like a soft stick worm, like a, a Berkeley the General, a Maxent the General, a really good choice as well, and fish it extremely slow. But you know me, Terry. If at all possible, I'm fishing fast first.
1: Yeah, cover water, because this time of the year, the fish location is pretty fluid. They're not locked into a spawning bed. They're not in a summer pattern. As the weather changes, they'll move up and down and even move locations quite, even several times during the day. And covering water is probably the norm for almost every species right now until they get more into their summer peaks. Uh, I do like, like you said, I I like to cover the water with the more aggressive baits. But then I like to have a couple baits with me that I can slow down and throw right into the cover. You know, I love pitching right into the worst cover on the lake. And so I'll I'll look at that. But that's usually something I do more later in the year
2: yeah absolutely and also on really calm days really sunny calm days they'll really pin to the wood cover uh you know that's a, a time that i might do that but in the spring like this most of the time i can get fish to react on a bait if i can go a little quicker if i am going to be pitching stuff around cover like i said it's very precise i'm going to throw it right on the cover right around the cover give them a chance to eat it and and, and remove it and move on so i'm almost always carrying multiple rods one with a reaction bait one's with a fo- and one with a follow-up bait Uh, That keeps me in the game in a hurry, and it allows me to cover pretty much whatever. Uh, The other thing I'll throw out there is if you go to places like St. Brains State Park, there's a lot of trout in there as well. So you throw something like that lipless crankbait around, you start working it really quickly, you're going to – Catch those trout as well. So you're going to be kind of in the ballpark of all of the above with either the, the jerk bait or the crank bait. Uh, and another really underutilized bait that will get you bites this time of year can be really good. It's just a tube jig, a standard three and a half inch tube jig, like a Berkeley Power Tube on a on a maybe a, a eighth to a quarter ounce jig head. It's got a great spiral drop. You can drag it on the bottom, throw it around the weeds. Trout love them. Bass love them. Walleyes lead them this time of year. So that's a good all-around bait as well. And then one other one I'll throw out. And in, in the last couple of years, this has become one of my favorites. It's almost a do-nothing bait and basically just a soft paddle tail like a, a Berkeley Power Swimmer, uh, a, a Gulp Swim Shad, a Pro Shad, uh, something like that. But it's all a boot-tailed. Bait. It looks like a little minnow bait on a jig head and just swim that thing evenly as possible. The more you try to do with it, the less bites you're going to get. And that can be just an absolute no brainer for walking around ponds or the reservoir banks right now because everybody will bite that. Uh, You know, and that's a key thing One of the other key things from bank fishing All the time, I see guys right here by my house I'm watching guys do it right now They walk to the edge of the lake and they throw as far out in the middle As they can, and the whole point right now Is the fish are on the bank, so I would be throwing 45 degree angles to the bank Just mixing my angles up and throwing angles To the bank more than anything else Unless I'm fishing directly over the top Of some kind of cover, uh, you know, a grass bed Or or something like that, but I'm really Going to focus on my angles up and down the banks Rather than throwing out to the middle of the pond
1: Chad, we are out of time. If people want more info or book a guide trip with you, how do they get a hold of you?
2: Uh, FishfulThinker.com or at FishfulThinker on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and especially our YouTube channel. And Dan Swanson and myself just scheduled another on-the-water sonar class for May 8th here at Horsetooth. You can go to FishfulThinker.com and get information on that. Uh, And we post it on the Facebook as well. But that's an on-the-water sonar GPS class we teach in the boats. It's a really fun class, and that's coming up May 8th.
1: Alright my friend, we're out of time. We'll talk to you again in a couple weeks.
2: Alright, sounds good. Thanks very much, Terry.
1: You bet. We're gonna take a quick break, come back and wrap things up. And Terry Wix from Outdoors and 1043 the fan.
3: You're just a teardrop. In my eyes each night I cry myself to sleep. You're just a memory of a love. That somehow
1: I couldn't keep. You know what, Kyle, that song sounds familiar. Does it? That's a song that um, I'm right that I wrote for an upcoming four-song EP that is going to be released hopefully later this year. Uh, I wrote the lyrics in uh, collaboration with my wife and producer, Karen. Then I wrote the music, and the musical arrangement is written by a Hall of Fame guitar player, Mark Dobreth, in collaboration with his wife, Karen. So um, I've got three songs written, and Mark and his wife have one written. We're going to try to release all those as a four-song EP later this year. That's the demo from the first song. It's called Teardrop In My Eyes, and uh, we're kind of proud of it. Thank you for playing it. Does it sound as good on the radio as it did in your head? No. <laughs> That's just the demo, though. We got the final cut left to, left to do, so we still got a little work. But I think it's kind of catchy. It's a good song. Thank you for bringing it up. We're going to wrap things up here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. A uh, couple things: we had trivia today, and the winner got a fifty dollars gift card to um, Jack's Outdoor Gear. We will have more trivia over the next few weeks. Karen will always post on Facebook a trivia. 20-plus years of trivia on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Within that post will be the answer to the trivia question. Today's question was about who. Who? when I took over the hosting of the show in 1998, who had been the previous host? It had been our great friend, the late Charlie Myers, the incredible outdoor writer, such a mentor and an impact on my life. He remained a contributor to the show for many, many years after that. And, uh, you know, miss him so much in his passing. Just a great, great outdoor uh, contributor and mentor to everybody in the outdoor world. But follow us on Facebook. You're going to know with trivia. We'll post new YouTube videos on Facebook so you'll know. And remember, our YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, over half of those episodes were filmed right here in your backyard. So if you're looking for some uh, tips, some places to go, don't be afraid to go and look at that. Next week, we're going to start dog training. People in the outdoors love dogs. And this is the time of the year if you have a hunting dog, whether it's Waterfall or Upland Game, that you should be working. Whether it's a new puppy or, as Brad Peterson told us at the beginning of the show, it's your dog that you've hunted with for years. They need some refresher. They've, they're off for a while. You need to work with them. In addition to that, almost everybody in the outdoor world loves animals. And many, even if they don't hunt with dogs, are dog owners and their dog is their companion and they may be their companion when they're out walking the trail They may be their companion uh when they're out fishing they may be their companion just around the house but we're going to take you from hunting to all those things we're going to put together a series um hopefully it'll be three or four segments or more but we're going to start with one next week i don't know the time of the show yet we're working on the scheduling but we're going to get um, an expert in really uh, dog training. He does a lot of upland game and waterfall. He understands dog behavior. He's going to give you tips. He's going to help you get started. He's going to help you learn how to get your dog trained in obedience. So we're going to cover that next week. So we'll be including that. So make sure you tune in for that. Join us every Saturday from 9 to 11 right here for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and go to our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Thanks to Kyle for keeping us on the air, Karen for keeping this show going. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour, ESPN Sports and then DU Lacrosse on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.